Welcome to series two of the How to Grow Our Parents podcast. I'm your host, Emily Anna, and I'm a mum, doula, and founder of the Mindful Birth Group. In series two of the podcast, we talk to experts who contribute to our antenatal, hypnobirthing, and postnatal course content and online parent hub. We aim to equip every parent with vital information that we know will positively impact their experience. We'll start each episode by asking our guests, why is it so important that parents know about this? We'll then dive into the key things that you need to know and share where you can find out more in-depth information to help you start your parenting journey on the front foot. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this episode. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast to help us reach more expectant parents with our supportive, inclusive and impartial content. After a short break, whilst we were away at various baby shows, enjoying the Easter holidays and 10,000 bank holidays, I'm delighted to be back today and talking to Dr. Frankie Harrison. Frankie is a clinical psychologist and co-founder of Miracle Moon, an organisation that provides support for the NICU community, both past, present and future. Frankie also provides invaluable content to our online parent hub, so subscribers can access educational and supportive information about NICU should they ever need it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Frankie. How are you? Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. I, I am. I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that we've uh, we finally made it work. So it's lovely to talk to you. <laughs> yes, I am too. Um, so this episode will come with a bit of a listen with self care label on it yeah. as well, because we we may discuss things that people may find difficult to listen to, um, mm-hmm. but obviously really important topic that mm-hmm. we're really keen for people to know about before they perhaps need it, and we'll go into why that's important shortly. Um, but could you start us off by telling a bit about who you are, um, where you're from in the world, where you are now, um, and what you do professionally? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm Frankie. Um, I am a clinical psychologist and I am a mum of two. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, my... I was, I was practicing as a clinical psychologist and I was actually working uh, in a completely different field and working with older adults um, and in a kind of neuropsychology service previously. I'd trained uh, as a clinical psychologist, you train across all walks of life with, with lots of different people. Um, and I previously worked with mums in, in uh, paediatrics with, with children and sick families and I loved it. So I knew that I had that as a, a passion as well. But then I started my own journey of becoming a mum. Um, I became pregnant and during that pregnancy um, had quite a lot of different complications. Um, I lost a twin at 10 weeks, um, which I hadn't really heard anyone really talk about um, before. So that, that was difficult to kind of process. Um, I had probably every pregnancy symptom like you know air quotes like under the sun in terms of like nosebleeds and carpal tunnel and um like stomach issues and just I felt like I was constantly at the doctors going what is this and they were like it's pregnancy (laughs) I was like what (laughs) this is what you know it, it just didn't didn't make a lot of sense but then around kind of end of the second trimester, um, I w- was going in because I had um, pelvic girdle pain. 
and was trying to get a referral to physio and it just so happened that the uh, GP that I was seeing there not my GP um took my blood pressure and he was like uh it's it's high it's very high um and he was like well you've got a midwife appointment tomorrow so I'll just send you home went to the midwife it was still high she was very cross that they sent me home I ended up going to hospital I had a week there where they um took um gave me blood pressure medication I then ended up going home for another week back in then ended up in kind of high dependency um unit and within a few days um was diagnosed with preeclampsia and then had my baby at 31 weeks due to due to preeclampsia um by emergency section so that was my kind of being thrown into becoming a parent for the first time um we had a five six week stay on a neonatal unit and I came home from that experience and after the dust settled and we had you know various health issues and things like that that I was managing so around about the point of like five six months around the time that the pandemic hit um I kind of started reaching out on Instagram and social media and just looked for other people who were talking about going through neonatal care and it wasn't really there um and I was like no one's really talking about this I'm feeling all of these different feelings all of this guilt and anxiety and grief uh, and no one's really putting a name on it so I met Georgie who is the other co-founder of Miracle Moon and I met her on Instagram and she had a baby at 31 weeks as well and we just connected she's a graphic designer and we just decided with our kind of joint skills of her being able to make things look really good <laughs> um, the fact that we were friends the fact that I was a clinical psychologist and I can kind of talk to people about the experiences of being in neonatal care kind of emotionally we created Miracle Moon and we've kind of grown over the past three years I've retrained. I'm now uh, trained in EMDR, which is a type of trauma therapy um, for kind of processing a trauma and birth trauma, for example. And I now work privately one to one with people. We provide courses and workshops. We've got our online community and we're just kind of growing and trying to support as many people as possible who are going through neonatal care or who have been through neonatal care. I'm so grateful that you are. I mean, you're, thank you for sharing all your personal journey. And I bet you would never have imagined, what, three years ago, four years ago, that you would be on this path right now. Absolutely not. No, not at all. No. And that's the thing. The experience is life-changing, isn't it? So it's not just a period in time. It affects mm-hmm. you forever. Yeah. And I think that's the bit that I really wanted to kind of hit home to people, is that I think the narrative quite often is that when you're finished with the NICU, you're over it because you're home, but it kind of sticks with you unless you've kind of processed it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to kind of normalise that a little bit and some of the emotions that might stick around for you. So um, taking it back to basics, what is NICU? um, If if someone has never heard of it before, um, doesn't even know what the acronym stands for, please take us through what that is. Yeah, which, by the way, I hadn't. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of it before, so I was kind of thrown into it. So it's Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. So it's a, a an intensive care unit for babies who have just been born. Um, and there are different levels. So they, you might have special care, um, which is for babies who need s- some support with breathing and feeding. And then you have higher level neonatal, neonatal intensive care units, 
based on the gestation that your baby is born at. And some babies can be born from 22 weeks. Um, whether your baby is poorly or sick or needing further intervention, further support and assistance, 60% of babies are born at term who need neonatal um, care. So the, the babies in the neonatal unit, 60% of them are term. Um, so it's not just for premature babies. Um, but those those babies need further support with um, things like eating, breathing, infection, um, meconium, um, lots and lots of different um, kind of issues, jaundice. Um, and it is just a, it's a place of support, a unit of support um, for mm. babies. And it's physically another part of the hospital, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is separate to maternity, into your maternity ward. So if your baby is on a neonatal care unit, it would be that you were on the maternity ward and your baby was on the neonatal care unit. And generally you can visit your baby, can't you? But it depends on the situation and what's going on, obviously, with the parents as well. Um, So you can have that contact with them. But that's, would you say, one of the toughest parts of it is the the new baby contact? Yeah, the, the separation is really, really difficult. So it depends on your unit. It depends on the time, whether you, you know, during COVID, it was a lot stricter and there were just very short visiting times. Um, but generally now you are allowed to be with your baby as long as you are well. But generally there isn't the space or capacity to be able to have parents stay overnight so you have to leave them and go home and sleep. Or there are some charities like Ronald McDonald's houses uh, where you're able to kind of stay in the accommodation on the site. But generally, um, you're not with your baby overnight. So there's an element of separation, which is really hard, really, really hard. And what can parents do to prepare themselves? Obviously, this is something you can never predict and mm-hmm. hope that nobody has to go through it. But the reality is they do. So how can someone who is having either a straightforward pregnancy or has things going on, what can mm-hmm. they do just to, you know, have that kind of heads up, prepare themselves for that? I think just knowing what a neonatal care unit looks like, what uh, what it feels like, I don't think that you can necessarily prepare yourself for everything that you're going to go through because everyone's journey is so different. Um, it's hard regardless so I think you can do all of the preparation in the world it's still going to be really hard but just having a knowledge of the fact that this is a place where your baby may go and they may be supported for additional support with for example breathing or feeding or procedures for example that they will most likely be in like an incubator or a cot um that there will be kind of like wires and tubes like that on them that are monitoring them and looking after them so knowing that I think to start with but then also having the knowledge that they are still your baby you are still their parent even though it might not feel like it because of that kind of separation and that shock you are the most important person in their care team and looking after them and you can still support in looking after them it's maybe not what you look like but you can be involved in feeding when they're ready to do that changing them holding them when when you're ready to kind of do that it looks different how you you maybe thought but you you are so important um and yeah I think it's it's just knowing that to start with 
is important. It's really helpful. And it's that image of what you expected it to be like, isn't it? And then yeah. suddenly being thrown into this completely other journey that you never imagined. And if you can just take a few of those unknowns out, it can feel less daunting maybe. But yeah, like you say, it can never take away that emotional and mental impact that it's going to have. What, I mean, what do people come to you um, you have some amazing resources on your website and the ways that you support people. How do people come to you for help when once they are in, in NICU? Like what kind of things do you get asked? Generally, I tend to see people after NICU. So I tend to see people who are a couple of months out, a year out, a few years out. And they are just going, I'm still struggling with the experience that I had. Um, or in the UK, on the units generally they are upping the amount of psychology support that is available so there should be a psychologist or some kind of support that is available so you can access that if you are on the unit but generally what I find is that people are so in that fight flight freeze survival mode when they're in the unit it isn't until they get home when the dust settles and then they're like whoa what have I just been through and whether that is like you know a trauma of what it is that they have been through what it is that they could have been through what it is that happened or didn't happen but that kind of sinks in a little bit and that's what people struggle with you get feelings of grief of missing the things that you like we said it kind of expected to happen a guilt there that you you, you can do what you needed to do to protect your baby or like a feeling like your body failed or something like that, or whether it is like actual experiences that happened. A lot of people um, feel an element of anxiety carrying on afterwards, especially anxiety around health, either yours or your baby's. Um, And I think that the thing that I like to talk about a lot is all emotions that you feel are really common and really, really valid. So even if they feel tricky so for example a lot of people talk about this jealousy and this envy of people getting what they wish that they had and then they beat themselves up I shouldn't feel like this whereas if you're able to kind of go I feel like this and it's okay that I feel like this and there are others there that feel like this and I can move past this feeling it's just it's grief I think by being able to do that normalize and validate some of your feelings is a huge first step Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess coming home from that situation, when you kind of survived your way through it, mm-hmm. you just got through and then having to then relay it to other people um, yeah. who are obviously in a very loving way, curious as to you know how everything went and, and want to know your story. But I can imagine that's painful too. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a lot of people after NICU, not, not everybody, but who experience PTSD um you know it's not just for war veterans um if you've had a situation that's overwhelmed your nervous system's ability to cope you can experience things like you know the flashbacks the um dissociation the anxiety the mood changes the thought changes that kind of come with ptsd so if people are asking you about the experience it can be really really triggering So it is okay to protect yourself and it's okay to go, I don't want to talk about it right now or have a safe version of the story or whatever it is until you get to the point where you feel able to kind of process that experience yourself. 
And I know that things like going to baby groups um, and maybe meeting other parents who maybe haven't been through it can also be really tricky, especially if people are sharing stories of where birth has gone really well. Because again, it's grief that you didn't get that. Um, so it's kind of finding what what feels okay for you to share. Um, and I think some people kind of move into that bit of going like, I don't want to talk about it at all, or really oversharing. Um, and that's completely normal. It's just about kind of being aware of that and finding what your balance is. Yeah, I love that um, idea of finding your safe story, like the, the version you can tell, and yeah. like with you know, without feeling scared about where it's going to go, yeah. and then when you're ready to share more, yeah, doing that, but having your, also your safe people. To yes, talk to. absolutely. Yeah. I love that. It's so good that the units are upping their <laughs> mental health support. Yeah. So yeah, really, really good. They've got a, a big initiative in place to support pretty much every hospital. Um, and in the NHS, NICU is really kind of getting on the map when it, it hadn't been. So there is going to be a lot more support. It's going to take quite a while, as, as it does in the NHS. But hopefully there should be a lot more support for NICU parents coming up. And the most frustrating part of what I hear um, people sort of say to new parents is, well, at least the baby's okay. You know, that's what really matters, the most important thing and everything we do. And that's why we kind of partnered with you as well for your content is just bringing that focus back to the parents because they're the ones that need to feel mentally and physically well in order for that baby to be okay. And, and mm. it's okay to need help with that. Yeah. Um, so everything you're doing is just so um incredible to raise this awareness and support people through it and yeah. um, what about friends and family um how can they support someone if if you know they get that phone call to say baby's here but in a NICU what what can they do we've we've actually got a list we've got a resource on our website of you can hand this to your friends and family because quite often people text saying if I can do anything for you let me know and you are overwhelmed and kind of flooded with everything that you are doing but you actually do need that support from people to be able to kind of get through from things like cleaning cooking buying things like I went I had no hospital bag I had nothing uh with me um nothing for the baby like we didn't have we didn't have a cot we didn't we had nothing um because we were kind of planning to do that within the third trimester um so there were part there were things that I could do as I was kind of sitting by the incubator when things were kind of fairly steady where I just was on Amazon and just ordering to the Amazon lockers in the hospital um and you know doing bits like that but things that my friends and family did were they went and did me a Primark shop where I got, you know, some nursing bras and some slippers and nighties and things that like buttoned up or zipped up so that I could do, it's called kangaroo care where you're doing the skin to skin. Um, so I got a bunch of different things like that. I had different family members who were making me different meals that I could either bring onto the unit and eat there or kind of stocking up my fridge at home. I had um, my mum who just took my dog so that I didn't have to think about that. And I know that other people who if they've got other children at home, being able to support them with the childcare so that they can split themselves, be in the unit, be at home as much as possible. Um, lots of things. So we've got a whole list of things that people can do practically. But in terms of the emotional support, I think just letting people know that you are there 
and checking in every now and again, just to go, I'm thinking of you, I am here, no pressure, not asking for updates, just, you know, I'm, I'm here or what can I do anything? Do you need some distraction? Do you need some like, you know, mundane real life, like talk about like, you know, Love Island or something like that to distract you? Um, so it's kind of, you know, finding whatever it is that that person needs. And then when they get home, know that it will probably at some point hit them and be there for that point, checking in, seeing how they're doing. Again, like you said, removing those at least, any statement that starts with at least, just remove it. (laughs) Um, If there's that kind of need for that toxic positivity or kind of throwing that, you know, it's invalidating. I get why people do it. It's because you want to fix it and you want to make things better, but you can't really fix it and make things better in these kind of situations. Um, Mm. And what it does is it just minimises and invalidates so if you're able to being able to kind of sit with it and just go that sounds really hard do you want to talk about it that's all you need to say yeah Um, yeah exactly leave it open that sounds hard do you want to talk about it not Mm -hmm. you don't have to if you don't want to um and just be there as a support things like the first birthday or birthdays can be really difficult as uh, because they're trauma anniversaries as well as birthdays um, we've done a course and a workshop about um, how to support yourself through that. But we also have a free resource about how to talk to your friends and family about um, about being in that that time of your of the birthday and the trauma anniversary as well. So um, there's lots, but that's probably a, a snapshot into it. Yeah, and we'll link these resources as well on yeah. the show notes. Um, when we will have kind of siblings at home, is there a way to talk to little ones about, you know, perhaps their siblings needing that extra care and not, you know, obviously they're not coming home and everyone feeling quite, you know, emotional about the whole process and not what everyone may be expected. Yeah. Is there any sort of tips that you would share for that situation? I think it depends on the age of the child um, and their kind of where they are developmentally. But generally, just being really clear you know again non non scary but just kind of going you know your little sister or whatever it is needs to be in hospital because they need some extra support with feeding or breathing um they're a little bit poorly at the moment they were born too early or whatever it is so they need to be looked after by the nurses and the doctors right now um and we're working really hard on getting them home that means that you know mummy and daddy will be in the hospital and at home doing things like keeping routine as much as possible as you can do being able to give them as much attention again as you can do which is hard when you are at home with them giving them a bit of special time if you can doing things that allows them to connect with their siblings so whether that is showing them photos or videos or getting them to draw a picture or um there are different kind of storybooks or you know give them their sibling like a toy or something that they can put into the incubator with them take a picture of that decorate their cot get the space home at ready you know for their baby to kind of come home it's about making that link and it's about also connecting with you so there's a book like called the invisible string which talks about like no matter where you are there's always a level of connection mm. um so there's you know there's there's different ways of doing it but it's essentially going there's there's this connection between you but and also there's going to be moments where 
your si- the sibling has wobbles and finds it really hard. You might see some big emotions, you might see some behaviour changes, but it's again hard if you're going through it, but being able to make space about that and kind of go like, you're sad, that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, lots more kind of affection and cuddles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it, it will make the family unit you know to, it will bring everyone together at some yeah. point it might not feel it in the moment where yeah. it's all falling apart but you know it does yeah look back yeah definitely um and sort of looking back now for you on on your experience like how do you how do you look back on it because I, I guess on lots of experiences where we feel trauma in life like things do feel like they're not you anymore or they mm-hmm. you know it's happened to someone else is that the case do, do you feel with your situation or how how do you relive that if you do it's it, yeah yeah I definitely do you know I, I run this page where I talk about it every day um I think the majority of my focus is in supporting other people but in the moments where I kind of tap into my own stuff there are certain parts that are harder than others again I sh- I share my safe safe story um I talk about what feels okay for me to talk about and for the other stuff I have my own support to be able to deal with that um I think throughout the experience for me, I, and I talk about this quite openly, I dissociated where I like numbed, blanked out quite a lot. So I have various moments where I don't remember a lot of what happened. Um, So some of it still feels really hazy. Um, But I think I'm just generally moving to a level of acceptance. Occasionally something pulls me back there. Um, that I find really hard, uh, whether that is, you know, a milestone or something happening for my son, who's now like three and a half, um, or I kind of focus on him or I see like how small he was. Like he really likes to stand up and show me how big he's got after every sleep because he's, we told him that <laughs> sleep helps him to grow big and strong. So every morning he wakes up and says, look how big I've got. Um, <laughs> and I just sometimes get taken back to like his tiny little like three pound one self within that um but I I think the biggest thing for me is allowing myself any and all of those feelings if I feel sad in that moment that's okay if I feel anxious in that moment it's okay um guilt grief all of it I just kind of move to a place which is hard but where I'm able to go it's okay that I feel that way and it passes Mm -hmm. um and I've kind of channeled this into supporting other people through it so there was some good that came of it for me um and there is a level of strength and in finding myself and finding what I want to do and purpose within it as well so there's an element of growth within the experience of myself too oh well thank you so much for sharing that information but your personal journey with it too and you're an amazing mum I see you know what you're like through social media and I know that's uh, just a snapshot (laughs) of it all but um yeah it's it's lovely to hear how how you've come through it all and and how you navigate the things that come up um, when they do because that is the reality it doesn't just go away yeah Um, and that can be for uh, lots of different situations not just NICU but becoming a parent can present itself with a lot of challenges um, in many different ways yeah so a lot of the things you shared you know are relevant for lots of uh, lots of areas yeah so Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for for having me to be able to talk about this and for, you know, providing it on your platform. It's so needed. So I, you know, hugely appreciate you doing that. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, I would so appreciate it if you would spend a moment rating and reviewing it. 
And don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show to keep up to date with future episodes too.